All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am Jay Taylor, and I'm back here in New York City in the Borough of Queens speaking today. It is the, uh, the third day of May, 2022. Uh, I do like to remind you I write a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and uh, you can sign up for that letter. Uh, we cover a lot of gen- uh, exploration, gold, silver exploration stories, some of which are sponsors of this show. 718-457-1426. You can call that number during regular work hours. You can call or you can go to miningstocks.com to sign up for it. We also like to promote Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Go to Chen Picks for that. And also Michael Oliver, OliverMSA.com. Uh, to sign up for Michael Oliver's excellent technical analysis, which uh, I find is almost indispensable from my per, uh, point of view as an investor. do want to thank all of you for listening to the show, making one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. So I'd like to encourage you to send along whatever comments you have about this show to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. Questions the number four, taylor at gmail.com. We also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. This week's sponsors, Irving Resources, Novo Resources, Eloro Resources, Core Asset Corp., Timberline Resources, Lion One Metals, SK Mining, and Reina Gold Corp. Uh, before I get into today's show, I'd like to just pass along a few comments from Michael Oliver. It's his weekend missive. Um, it, given the volatility of these markets, I thought it would be helpful perhaps to some of you. Of course, the only way to really take advantage of what Michael provides, the service he provides, is to su- subscribe to that service. It's OliverMSA.com. Uh, but just a, a couple of the key markets I'll just pass along that Michael talked about, gold and related markets. He said, yes, gold had a 1.8% down month in April, but it's up on the year 4.5%, while the NASDAQ 100 is down on the year 21.2%, and S&P 500 is down 13.3%. Meanwhile, gold-related stock market, gold related to the stock market using GDX's symbol is up 8.8% on the year despite a sharp drop in April. Of course, I want to remind you that that was written uh, on Sunday. That was passed along on Sunday. So obviously the markets have uh, have gone down quite a bit more, the precious metals markets since then. Uh, Michael went on to say silver is the real standout oops market that has upset our analysis up to this point. MSA identified a quarterly momentum upturn in late February when it rallied up to $24.44. Yes, it then retreat or it, it then reached 27.48, but by the close of April it was back down to 
a nasty down month. The question is whether it's a negative leader and therefore a drag gold down as well, or simply a wild deviant that will soon get back in line and become an upside leader. We thought, and still do think, that silver will turn out to be a prime place to be long, that it will snap sharply into an upside leadership status versus the ongoing gold bull trend. Then Michael went on to provide support for his bullish views. And again, uh, subscribing to Michael's letter, you can work through the analysis that he provides uh, more than just the words that I'm passing along to you today. With regard to the U.S. stock market, Michael said, and I quote, one third of the way into the glorious new year, as 2022 will be remembered, here's our recap and update. U.S. stock market, MSA, with regard to the U.S. stock market, MSA turned long-term bearish in January and February this year, depending on the index or the key stock. We assessed the NASDAQ 100, that is the leader, the leader index of this dozen-year monetary-sponsored bubble, and three of its heavily weighted components, Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft, and of course, also the S&P 500. All broke our long-term annual momentum structures, either as of January or February actions. And therefore, MSA went long-term trend negative on the broad U.S. stock market. As of the close of April, our conviction level is even higher than there, than there is much more to go on the downside over the next few years, a process, a process that is likely to unfold in layers of decline replete with lovely rallies along the way that are designed to impress many and suck them back into the market. And that trend event will likely, with its economic metric downturn that follows in its wake, fully give the Fed and other central banks whiplash in terms of their credibility and policy direction. Love it. Popcorn time, Michael says. With regard to government bonds, and this is one that I have really uh, been waiting for for a long time, uh, Michael said, and I quote, MSA has initially expected this presumed safe category to perhaps continue to be an alternative along with gold to the declining stock market. T-bonds had been in fair sync with gold over the prior few years, but instead we recognized in March that this supposed asset alternative was going into the bin of history along with bloated stocks. And so in our March 11th report, we tossed this asset category out the window as a safe alternative. At that time, U.S. T-bond futures were trading at a 153 now at 140 as of last weekend, and TLT shares, 20-plus year U.S. government uh, bonds, was trading at 134.90, now at 119. Gone is that category in terms of being a place to run for uh, large fund managers when they want a safe place to hide money as they reduce stock market positions. Gone, yes, intermediate trend action might generate some BS rally in the next month or so, but the major long-term trend is gone, negative. Look elsewhere, investors and fund managers. With respect to commodities, Michael said, using the Bloomberg Commodity Index, MSA went into mega bullish. Commodity explosion was our phrase in October 2020. Turns out we just might have been right. Throw a dart and almost every commodity went vertical at that point. We preferred certain oil sectors and fertilizer stocks then 
they have since tripled. But now, as the Fed is supposedly out to cap that commodity inflation advance, it seems all they have succeeded in breaking are the stock market. Mooney bonds and high-yield corporate debt also. Uh, all into nosedives, all of them into nosedives. Meanwhile, the Bloomberg Commodity Index is holding stoutly despite the Fed. Again, MSA is back to enjoying the popcorn as the statist attempts to manipulate pricing of various assets is failing. So what else is left for investors? Well, of course, Michael did talk about the metals, the precious metals, and, uh, and a great deal more in his uh, extensive weekend missive, which I, again, uh, suggest you seriously consider signing up for Michael Oliver's service. And it's not just the weekends. Uh, throughout the market, throughout the week, if there's something of significance, Michael will send out a message with regard to that. Okay, well, turning to today's show, I titled it, Putin Plays America's Fake Money Game. Robert Moriarty and Patrick Highsmith will return as this week's guest. When Russian President Vladimir Putin declared that countries unfriendly to Russia would have to pay for their oil and gas in Russian rubles, he pulled a chapter out of the U.S. playbook. In the early 1970s, America arranged a quid pro quo agreement with Saudi Arabia, whereby the U.S. used its military might to ensure the Saudi royal family remained in power so long as it required OPEC to sell oil only for U.S. dollars. The U.S. also used its military to force nations not to buy oil with euros. When the U.S. and NATO cut off all U.S. dollars and euro payment mechanisms from Russia after that country invaded the Ukraine, understandably, Russian President Putin began holding Russian oil and gas hostage, saying that he would, he would soon refuse to release natural gas to European countries unless they paid in Russian rubles. It is well known that many European countries are highly dependent on Russia, on Russian gas to not only avoid freezing to death, but to keep the wheels of their industry turning. Oil prices and diesel prices soared after reports came out that Russia has now cut off the gas supply to Poland and subsequently to Bulgaria. And out of concern that the reduced supply of natural gas to Europe will force the, continue, the, uh, the continent to use alternative forms of energy, mainly oil and diesel, already globally undersupplied. No commodities are more essential to the health of modern economics, uh, economic societies than oil and gas. We will ask Robert how he thinks this will all play out economically and geopolitically and how investors should factor this emerging new monetary regime into their investment decisions. Vladimir Putin is demonstrating that there is no monetary commodity more essential than gold. Yes, gold, because it can be used to buy uh, Russian rubles, which in turn is required by Mr. Putin now uh, to buy his oil and gas. Timberline Resources, uh, Patrick Highsmith will join me to give us an update on Timberline. It's a sponsor of this show. It's a company that I own shares of and also have recommended in my newsletter. Uh, they are on to a very high-grade Carlin-style gold discovery in Nevada. And given its very minuscule market cap, this is a story I think you might want to pay attention to. So please stick around after a break. We do have to go now uh, to our first commercial break. But when we come back, Patrick Highsmith will be with me. So don't go away. Thank you. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Lion Wine Metals is focused on high-grade gold in Fiji, led by legendary Canadian financier Walter Barakoff. Lion One is permitted for production and drilling for discoveries in one of the most exciting high-grade gold projects in the prolific South Pacific Ring of Fire. Lion One trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol LIO and on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF. Go to our website at liononemetals.com for more information about Lion One Metals and high-grade gold in Fiji. SK Mining Corp. Trading under the symbol ESK on the TSX Venture and ESKYF on the OTCQX is a mineral exploration company targeting precious metals, rich VMS deposits in the heart of British Columbia's Golden Triangle. SK Mining controls a prospective land package totaling 130,000 acres, which lies across a geologic trend that once hosted the prolific SK Creek Mine. With a world-renowned geological team, funding in place, and shareholders such as Eric Sprott, SK Mining is on the cusp of a world-class discovery. Go to skmining.com to subscribe for updates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really happy to have with me once again Patrick Highsmith. And uh, he is uh, here to give us an update on Timberline Resources. Patrick is an exploration geologist who has spent much of his career with major mining companies uh, like Newmont Mining, BHP, Rio Tinto, Fortescue Metals. These are the giants of the industry, of course. But he is now using his skills and accumulated knowledge to help Timberline Resources find a meaningful gold deposit and by the looks of things, he is—he uh, and his company are having a great deal of early success on its Eureka project in Nevada. Before I say hello to Patrick, I'd uh, just uh, like to pass along a couple of key metrics here. Uh, the company trades in uh, the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. You can buy it in Canada under TBR. Uh, about 158 million shares outstanding. That's after a financing that was announced just yesterday, a 4.7 million financing. Uh, when I checked a little earlier today in U.S. money, the stock was a mere 21 cents, uh, giving it a market cap somewhere around, uh, I don't know, $33 million or so in U.S. money. So it's a, a really baby company. It's a minuscule market cap. Uh, but I think uh, when you hear the story, you're going to think maybe it's one that you should pay some attention to. Thanks for joining me, Patrick. Thank you, Jay. It's always good to be here. It's always good to have you with us uh, to talk about this exciting story. Uh, you did uh, just announce yesterday 4.7 million financing. What can you tell us about uh, that raise, uh, the purposes of it, of course, and, and maybe who was involved and and who are the major owners of of your company now? Absolutely, Jay. Yesterday, we did announce the closing of a financing just under $4.8 million U.S. 
Jay. Mm-hmm. We, we did that at 25 cents U.S. or 31 cents Canadian. Uh, it's equivalent in Canadian dollars. And really it was uh, orchestrated to facilitate a major investment, Jay, from a fund out of Ireland called the Jupiter Gold and Silver Fund. Uh, mm-hmm. They are uh, focused on precious metals, uh, both uh, mining equities, uh, ETFs, and, and the metals themselves, and a real true precious metal fund of, of significant size. And uh, they're now a 9.9% uh, owner of Timberline on an issued and outstanding basis, and we're really proud to have them on board. And, and combined with Crescat Capital, who remains our largest uh, outside shareholder, we have about mm-hmm. more than 15% at the board level. And then we have Crescat Capital and uh, and Jupiter as our largest institutional shareholders. So, so uh, this was really a, a fit for purpose financing, Jay, based on the results we've announced in the first quarter from the Eureka Project. We we ripped into some fantastic holes there uh, from a zone we call the Waterwell Zone. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about those, I'm sure. But those results got some attention on us and uh, a lot of good meetings, a lot of interaction with institutional. Uh, investors that led to this financing uh, with a 25 cent uh, price on it and no warrant. So I think given the volatility we see in this market and and uh, you know a bit of the fear factor, everyone knows gold is going higher, but but risk swings into the off and on sort of almost mm-hmm. a daily basis. Jay, and, right? Uh, yeah. We feel quite positive about closing this financing with such quality investors with no warrant. Uh, at a time like this, to to put more than five million in our treasury now, well over five million U.S. to fund a robust exploration program that's starting this month in middle of May. Right, and of course you, as you mentioned, you had some really uh, really encouraging results from the Waterwell Zone uh, earlier. I guess last year you reported. I'm not. I can't remember exactly the dates. Although maybe early this year actually. Uh, February and March, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm looking at 44 meters of 4.1 grams per ton. It included 12.2 meters of 9.2 grams per ton. Yet another 41 meter intersection, 5 grams per ton, and uh, 19.8 meters of 9.5 grams per ton, the same drill hole, I believe, both of those. So these are really encouraging, and this is the water well zone. Was this the first of the really high-grade holes that have been hit on your Eureka project? You know, Jay, for those not familiar, uh, the Eureka Project's been around for a while. It has a resource yeah. that is uh-huh. was generally regarded as potentially heap leachable, Jay. It was lower grade, yeah. a lot of oxide in that resource of about 500,000 ounces of gold uh, at 0.62 grams. But it does come to the surface, it, but it has some higher grade roots, Jay. So we follow the higher grade beneath that, in that resource and beneath it out to the east here into this water well zone. So it adjoins the resource, but it is not in, not part of it yet. So this is a real chance to add tons and grade. And I think what we've learned, Jay, in, in the last, you know, sort of 18 months uh, since I got involved and, and since Quentin Henney uh, got involved with us as an advisor and a director, um, is the controls on the high grade are much better understood now. We, we know we're chasing a certain family of rocks out to the east here, uh, the top of this high-grade zone is, is not even very deep, Jay, at 140 meters below surface uh, on the uh-huh. north end. It does get deeper as you go south. Those two holes you mentioned are at the north and south end of it. So, so what it is, Jay, is a better understanding of the geology, uh, new application of geophysical tools um, and, and geological modeling to project this trend out to the east, get these holes into it, and really if you add that to – some of the first drilling we did at the end of 2020, I think it was, where we drilled 
about uh, 15 meters of 10 grams uh, very uh-huh. near surface. So that was a 150 gram meter hole on a yeah. great thickness basis. We have here 180 plus gram meters in one of these holes and over 200 gram meters in the other. So I think it's a paradigm shift that we're seeing, Jay, where grade thickness is now um, expressing itself as an important driver on this thing. We have high grades over greater thicknesses, and we understand why, and I think we can be predictive now on the geology So, so and where to go next. And that's why we're so excited to start filling in uh, between these holes and, mm-hmm. uh, and stepping out around them because it's just wide open, uh, this water well zone, on, on both the north and the south and even out to the east. So uh, a lot of potential to grow this thing, Jay. And, and I think, get- uh, all credit to the geologists for, for uh, applying themselves and the whole team, myself included, to, uh, to figure this out. Ken, I, those holes that I just mentioned, I think um, they are how far apart? And they're they're fairly far apart. I can't remember what the dimensions are. And, and can you give us some sense of the of the strike length of this target? Yeah, those holes. Interestingly, Jay, uh, the the northernmost hole was a step out of 150 meters, uh, where uh-huh. there had been no drilling, and uh, we hit into that zone. And then the uh, the southern hole, the one that was uh, 41 meters of, of of over five grams, is 400 meters, about 410 meters south. So mm-hmm. that is the southernmost hole in the zone. And in between, we have a number of hits that uh, folks can see in our presentation and in our news releases. We have hit other nice intercepts in between. But most of those were reverse circulation holes. And uh-huh. uh, the recent work is suggesting the core, these are drill core, these are diamond core holes, is returning a better sampling of the gold, more representative grades, Jay. So, so mm-hmm. we're going to do some work in between to fill in core mm-hmm. holes there. But to answer your question, you've got a strike length north to south now of a bit over 400 meters, uh, mm-hmm. anchored at both ends by some good high grade. And the zone, uh, from a width point of view, it's still open to the east, but it's certainly uh, along the order of uh, 250 meters, something like that. But, but certainly we're still finding the eastern limits. Um, and, uh, and we do have some indications that the system keeps going out there, but it, uh, but it gets a little deeper and, uh, we'll need to test those limits, both, uh, yeah. well, north, south and east. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. what the 2022 drill program will be about in part. Mm-hmm. And these, um, these Carlin style deposits, uh, they can have quite a bit of thickness, a uh, vertical extent, right? Indeed, they can, uh, Jay. We're in a favorable part of the of the uh, the Cambrian. Those are older rocks in Nevada. They are limestones, dolomites, shales, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And what we're looking for is uh, the right uh, most favorable host rocks. But where they cross faults, Jay, mm-hmm. the, uh, these faults are like plumbing, and so these deposits yeah. can have a quite a quite a bit of a vertical extent because they these faults are the the pipelines really that bring the fluids into these rocks. And so we just saw presentations this morning at the conference I told you I'm attending about some of the other big discoveries in Nevada and, and the interaction of these faults with the favorable host rocks uh, is the key in Carlin-type gold systems. And uh, I think folks can appreciate from, from looking at our presentation that uh, we know these rocks host gold now. We know they host high grade. And it's a matter of unraveling uh, the best place to drill next to maximize our exposure to those faults which are the good plumbing, and to the favorable host rocks, which are like the sponges that soak up these fluids. So, uh, so that's our plan. That's our plan, to look for the thickest parts and the highest grade parts. Well, in addition to your water well zone, there's other targets there as well. And uh, are you planning 
uh, to drill into those, uh, perhaps explore those a little bit this year as well in your drill program? Indeed, uh, we're hard at work on the budget right now, just having closed its mm-hmm. financing. But we will obviously focus on this high-grade zone uh, at the water well where we have to both fill in and, and uh, between them and, and step out to extend it. Um, but we do have another exciting prospect just across the valley, 1.5 kilometers away, called Oswego, where folks can see in our December news release we announced surface sampling of long runs of 12 to 14 grams gold in one area and and nice true thicknesses of sort of eight to uh eight to eleven meters of sort of three gram mineralization of oxide mineralization at surface we put six holes into that zone jay to test that and those are the last assays to come in here any and it'd be i would say very soon in may we expect to have a news release on how that turned out at oswego it's likely we'll apply some of this budget to keep advancing that oswego target based obviously on what the drilling is telling us so far and then there's the uh, the historic Windfall Mine, another mm-hmm. historic Nevada producer, which is only three or four kilometers northeast of, of uh, the water well zone, still on this giant Eureka property, where we also expect to do the first drilling in a number of years, following up on, on intercepts of over 20 meters of three grams, which haven't seen any drilling in three or four years, Jay. So it's, uh, mm. it's 70 square kilometers, this property, 25 square wow. miles. <laughs> And uh, a lot of areas to explore. But the idea is, I think, to balance. Uh, drill where you know this gold is, advance yeah. the water wells on towards a resource, but also mm-hmm. remind the market that there's still exploration to do out here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we'll be stepping into some of these new areas. Maybe it's 60% of our focus will be at the water well zone nearby to the resource where all that high grade is, and maybe 20% on, uh, on exciting targets like Oswego uh, and Windfall. Right. So... As this Oswego, do you think, uh, is, it, is it a similar Carlin-style uh, target, and might it be part of the same gigantic system? Or is that just it, too it, early to know, it, I suppose? It, yeah. Well, it, it's definitely Carlin-type. We do know that, yeah. Jay, and, and the rocks are, 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 are substantially similar. And, in fact, it's on a big fault that dips to the west. So, in other words, mm-hmm. towards the lookout uh, and water well areas, it sort of – so, and then in the middle, we've done a bit of drilling, and we've reported some interesting uh, intrusive rocks there, and we have a big geophysical anomaly between the two systems, Jay. So, in actual fact, the symmetry of, of Oswego being on the east side and Waterwell being on the west side of this big geophysical anomaly has us pretty excited that they may well be connected uh, at depth. Mm-hmm. And there's some really attractive host rocks down there that we know host carlin-type mineralization uh, just north of us at I-80 Gold's. Uh, very large uh, Ruby Hill Archimedes project uh, just to the north of us here. Those are good host rocks. We know they're down there, and we've got to get holes into those as well. So same type of mineralization, perhaps uh, part of the same big system, Jay. So uh, another reason to be excited about the size potential of what we're doing here. Yeah, for sure. Well, how soon might the drills start to turn, Patrick? Uh, we do have drills under contract, and as you know, that could be a challenge in this market. Yeah. Uh, there's mm-hmm. still a lot of exploration going on out here. So we uh, have our first rig showing up in the middle of May uh, and the second rig later in the month. So drilling is imminent, you know, sort of two weeks away. We should have the, uh, the core rig turning uh, in the water well zone. Right. Uh, well, $33 million market cap uh, at a time now when the market isn't overly excited about gold stocks, to say the least, the general exploration uh, story. So uh, it, it, what might investors keep an eye out for now? I believe you still have some assays maybe um, that you're waiting on. Is that true? 
Or do I? Have- That's right. There'll be some more technical news this month, Jay. As I as I mentioned, Oswego. We've still got a few holes there. They were shallow RC holes, but uh, the first holes ever there by Timberline. So those will be coming uh, probably before the end of May. And then we'll certainly have an announcement uh, of the scope and scale of this program with a few maps so people can follow along uh, as we get the assays flowing here. You'll recall we didn't get drilling till late last year in the summer and fall, so we're really excited to be cashed up in time for a full summer program, uh, and uh, a lot of excitement awaits. So good technical news flow, some more here in May, an update with the, an overview of the program and drilling all summer and into the fall. I believe about a 7,000-meter or 22,000-foot program. Is that what you've got planned? That's what you're budgeting for? That's right, Jay. We, we, uh, it's, a, it's only about maybe a 20% increase over last year, but the reason mm-hmm. for that is we're drilling a lot more core. Your, mm-hmm. your listeners will know drill core well, is more expensive than reverse sure. circulation, but it mm-hmm. produces a higher quality sample and more geological information. So we're doing a lot more drill core this year. And the total program will be on the order of 20% bigger than last year. As you say, about 7,000 meters. Uh, something Seven, like well, it'd be a little bigger than last year, but you're drilling into an area now that you've honed in on, and um, it, it should be very exciting. I think maybe perhaps a higher probability of, of, of really nice, uh, luscious drill results coming back. We'll certainly be watching closely for it. Patrick, want to, anything else quickly before we leave? Well, no. Uh, I, uh, it's a great kickoff to the season here. As I told you, we're out at the Geological Society of Nevada meeting in mm-hmm. Reno. Our, our friend Quentin Henney is here speaking at a luncheon tomorrow. And I just want to say great energy, 1,400 explorers in this building. Uh, a lot of nerdy geological talk happening. And a lot of interested eyes are, are looking at Timberline's rocks. We've got a core shack here showing off some of this beautiful drill core. So it's a great way to kick off the season and, frankly, to get back to face-to-face conferences with our colleagues here. So uh, yeah. a great kickoff yeah. of the season. Yeah. yeah, probably a lot of our listeners don't understand or can't quite comprehend how excited geologists get when they see certain kinds of rocks, you know. Some. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's a phenomenon I, 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 to behold. It is indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Thank you so much, uh, Patrick, for being with us, and uh, we'll look to keep up with this story as the uh, months and weeks and months uh, unfold. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. All right. All right, folks, we have to go to break now, but Bob Moriarty will be with me. You don't want to miss what he has to say. Always the colorful, very interesting, dynamic Robert Moriarty back right after the break, so don't go away. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Timberline Resources is a mineral exploration and resource development company focused on gold discovery in the world-class mining jurisdiction of Nevada. The company's flagship Eureka Project hosts a significant gold resource and drill-indicated upside potential at nearby higher-grade targets. Timberline Resources trades in Canada under the symbol TBR and on the OTCQB in the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. To learn more about this district-scale asset with exciting discovery potential, please visit www.timberlineresources.co. 
Reina Gold is a newly listed company trading on the OTCQB under the symbol REYGF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol REYG. Its flagship asset, La Gloria, is a 24,000-hectare district-scale property in the prolific Mojave Sonora Megashear in Mexico, between La Herradura, Mexico's biggest gold mine by Fresnillo, and El Shonate mine by Alamos Gold. La Gloria has very high-grade sampling and is in the first phase of a 10,000-meter drill program. The technical team is led by Dr. Peter McGaw, co-founder of Mag Silver, and Doug Kirwin, former VP of Ivanhoe Mines. Learn more at reinagold.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back, Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have Bob Moriarty with me once again. He is one of our most colorful, smart, and out-of-the-box thinking guests. He is always uh, always have a great response. People really love to hear what Bob has to say. Controversial at times, uh, but always his own thoughts. Very independent and, uh, uh, and, and a guy that I've really learned to appreciate his talents and uh, insights. So, Bob, thank you so much for joining me again. Well, it's it certainly, we live in interesting times, but I'm shocked that you said I'm controversial. <laughs> I, I thought I was very run-of-the-mill. <laughs> well, run-of-the-mill maybe in among our group, <laughs> among gold bugs. But uh, I, I don't know of too many people that have flown an aircraft underneath the uh, Eiffel Tower. So uh, I, I don't know. Um, you make you make uh, life exciting, Bob. No, no matter, no, no, no doubt about that. And your articles at three two one gold. And I should tell people if you're not familiar with three two one gold, you need to be. Every day there's great articles there, and there's a lot of good companies that you can learn about. Some of which are sponsors to this show, uh, and we might get to ask Bob uh, about a couple of them if we if we have time. Uh, so t- I've I've titled today's show Putin plays America's fake money game, Bob, and this is what I w- sort of really want to focus the show on. But I'd like to call our listeners' attention to an interview that you did, I think mid March. Uh, you noted that the Ukrainian war isn't really about the Ukraine. Can you share your thoughts about what it really is about with our listeners? Well, uh, what it's really about is an attack by the United States and NATO on Russia. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been 30 years in the making. Uh, the administration makes no bones about it. They intend to destroy Russia. And, and Putin knew this. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, the mainstream media and the narrative is Putin bad, uh, Ukraine good. Uh-huh. And it's absolute rubbish. I've got dozens of articles written about the corruption in Ukraine 
and the danger of the right-wing neo-Nazis who really truly are monsters. And, and what you're reading in the newspaper is absolute rubbish. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, 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 if we go back a little bit, I believe it was in the, with the fall of the Soviet Union, um, the United States had promised, or the, the NATO had promised, uh, Russia that we would not, that NATO would not annex the, uh, the, the Eastern European countries that fell with the Soviet Empire. Uh, do I have that right? Yeah, uh, you've got it more or less right. James Baker was the uh, ambassador for the United States at the negotiations. It took place in 1990, and for the German reunification of East Germany and West Germany, uh, Russia and the United States sat down, the UK was part of it, and the United States agreed that they would not move uh, one inch to the east with NATO uh, if Russia agreed, not Russia, the USSR at the time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if the USSR agreed for the reunification of Germany. Now, uh, the United States lied. They brought in 13 countries since then. Mm -hmm. They're talking about bringing in Sweden and Finland now, and they make mm -hmm. no bones about it. They have no intention whatsoever of allowing Russia to compete with the United States economically. And that's the most, it, it's probably the dumbest geopolitical move I have ever seen in history. Mm -hmm. Why, if your next door neighbor is nuclear armed, why would you go threaten him? Let's say you burn his house down and you poison his dog. What is the last thing he's going to do? Mm -hmm. well, he's, he's going to nuke you. Yeah. Okay. We are threatening nuclear war, and that is utter insanity. Uh, let me ask you a question. You're always asking me questions. It's time for me to ask <laughs> you a question. How much do you care about who runs Ukraine? Not too much, frankly. Okay. Um, well, I don't no. know anybody who cares. I never met anybody who cares. The Ukraine is cesspool. It's corrupt. Uh, the United States spent $5 billion, okay, from 1990 until coup d'etat in 2014. Biden's talking about spending another $33 billion to arm Ukraine. And, of course, uh, you just have to wonder, does the big guy get his 10% mm -hmm. of the $33 billion? Mm -hmm. So, so it, it, Pelosi's children were in the Ukraine. Uh, John Kerry's children were in the Ukraine. Joe Biden's son was in the Ukraine and its brother. And what they were doing is they were recycling the money. It, it's so dirty that I just can't believe they thought they were going to get away with it. Well, it seems they have. Uh, reports about all of that were, of course, not allowed to be told prior to the election. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's all about what the people believe and what they're told. As you said, uh, Putin bad, uh, Ukraine good, as if it's a, just a clear-cut issue. Um, and, uh, of course, life is never quite as simple as that. Uh, I'm just wondering, you ask, why would we do that? 
And I just keep coming back to President Eisenhower's concern about the military-industrial complex, and I'm wondering, Bob, why we, why the people that are running our country would want to have peace in the Ukraine. I don't see any reason why they would want to. Well, like, like there's no monetary. Look at the billions of dollars that we're pumping in there. Now we find out we can't make Stinger Stinger missiles fast enough to supply them to uh, to Taiwan because of fear of, uh, of of the Chinese attacking Taiwan. I mean, this is a cash cow for somebody. Billions and billions and billions of dollars in the military-industrial complex. Why on earth, if you look at all these large corporations that are making tons of money uh, building war materials, why on earth would you would those folks ever want to to have peace? I mean, isn't well, this why? We, yeah. Jay, there's a much more important issue that everybody is 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 skipping. Uh, do you happen to recognize the name Frederick Bastier, the French communist? Yeah, I, I remember, re, I know of him. Yes, of course, as a okay. sort of a, a, as a Austrian school or a liberty, free market advocate. Yeah, exactly. And, and strange enough, he lived about fifty miles from where I live right now. Uh-huh. And he he had a quote. He said, "When goods don't cross borders, soldiers will." Uh-huh. And I want to point something out to you, and it's very important for your listeners to understand. Why is it that you don't destroy your enemy in a war? Why is it that you don't destroy? Because you need them. Exactly. I mean, great point. Uh, Do you recognize the impact that the Treaty of Versailles had on causing World War II? Yeah, of course. It put put Germany in a box and no way out, essentially. They trapped them in there. Uh, and the hyperinflation was a result, ultimately. Well, not hyperinflation. World War II was a result. I remember watching right. a TV show years ago, and they were testing an old woman. And, of course, an old woman is anybody that's older than me, because if you're older <laughs> than me, you're really old. Uh, they, they were testing the, the uh, logic of this old woman to see whether she was out of it or not. I mean, if you want to see somebody out of it, watch a Biden press conference. But they ask her, what was the cause of World War II? Mm-hmm. And she looked up at him with a sweet little old lady smile. She said, World War One." And they said, no, yeah. no, we're not talking about World War One. We're talking about World War Two. What caused mm-hmm. World War Two? Mm-hmm. And she said, World War One." <laughs> and they said, no, you don't, you don't understand, lady. You must be crazy. Yeah. And she said, no. The French and the, the English put such onerous demands mm-hmm. on the Germans in the mm-hmm. Treaty of Versailles that it bankrupted Germany, gave, mm-hmm. gave them a, a constitutional crisis and a revolution, and directly led to uh, Hitler taking office. And that caused World War II. And, of course, she was absolutely correct. Yeah. Now, for the United States, who, who just got booted out of Afghanistan, I was in the military for six years. I was really embarrassed if some goat herder kicked my butt. But the United States isn't embarrassed. We didn't have any generals who were fired. Everybody got to keep their jobs. The military-industrial complex made lots of money. So we couldn't beat goat herders in Afghanistan, 
by spending $2.3 trillion. We left $8 billion in weapons for the Taliban, but we think we could take Putin on. What, what are these guys smoking? Yeah. Well, I think, again, um, the purpose is not to end wars. In, in my way of thinking, the generals, as you say, they kept their jobs, and, and the wheels of commerce for the military-industrial complex kept kept uh, kept turning i think so that's that's the way i see it anyway bob i i want to you know we've had people uh with regard to the sanctions because i want to get to this issue of putin requiring payment in uh, rubles and and gold um david stockman alistair mcleod ellen brown recently on my show all of them opined that these sanctions are going to hurt the united states much worse than they hurt putin do you agree with that yeah of course i wrote an article the day they came out sanctions, and I said the EU and the United States just committed financial suicide. Mm-hmm. I literally was the first guy to write about that, the first guy to recognize it. Here's the key. When you're doing trade with anyone, I don't care if you're buying gold from a gold supplier, or whether you go down to the store to buy a quart of milk or whether you fill your car with gas, who benefits in the exchange? Mm-hmm. Who? Tell me. Uh, I, I was. I, my mind had gone somewhere else. I, I missed the. I missed the question. I was looking at my next question. <laughs> okay. well, here's the deal. Uh, you yeah. decide you want to buy some gold, and I'm gonna sell the gold to you. So we yes. have a transaction. Who benefits? Yes. Both. Of course, you cannot have a transaction unless you have a willing buyer and a willing seller. Exactly, exactly. Now, let, me, let me point something out to you that nobody else is pointing out. Now, the real danger is not to the United States directly, immediately, mm-hmm. it's to the EU. Uh, I, I sent you a quote, an article about how Bulgaria and Poland mm-hmm. have used to pay for oil and natural gas in rubles, so Russia cut them off. Now, one of the things that's exceptionally important, and I can't believe nobody picked up on it, what have you heard about Germany not paying in rubles? We haven't heard too much. No. Um, you know why? Because no. they are paying in rubles. Okay, here's what's totally insane. The country that gets 45% of its natural gas from Russia it's still at natural gas. And what nobody's figured out, the only way they could be getting that natural gas is if they were paying in rubles. So you have this absurd situation where Germany is actually supplying military equipment to Ukraine and supporting Ukraine, but their economy is based on natural gas from, <laughs> from Russia. And, and if Russia shuts off gas, and, and oil to the EU, uh, you might as well shut the EU down. They, they, they will close the doors a week later. That's very important. And, and to the extent you already answered the question, who gives a damn about Ukraine? I don't care. Nobody I know cares. You don't care. Why is the United States taking a position in Ukraine where it's not in our best interest mm-hmm. and it's absolutely against our best interest? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I certainly care uh, care to a certain extent about the suffering that's going on. The the pawn, the 
the people of the Ukraine are being are being sacrificed for this no, bigger no, geopolitical. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Which people? You mean the fourteen thousand Ukrainians in eastern Ukraine that have no, been no, no, no. over the last six years, and nobody shed a goddamn tear. Nobody's waving flags. Nobody's sending goodie packages to them. Nobody cared about the people that were killed in Donbass, and Donbass is part of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. The Ukrainians were killing Ukrainians. Nobody gave a shit. Putin comes in, and he has legitimate complaints. One is he wanted the United States to honor the written agreement they made 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he wanted Ukraine to honor the written agreement they made at Minsk II in 2015. Right. And right. had right. they done that, there would be no war. Putin did not start this war. The United States did, and the United States is continuing it on behalf of the military-industrial complex, and he's fighting a nuclear-armed state. That's yeah. insanity. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's hard to explain. Uh, that's for sure. Alistair McLeod made the point um, on this show, I think maybe on another show as well, about he thinks that Putin's design here or what his goal is, is to separate the United States from uh, from Europe. And it would seem to be that that would make some sense uh, in, in terms of what you're saying. Uh, also, that Putin sees three three markets for his production for his natural gas and oil production and he of course he has all kinds of other natural resources as well that he should be able to sell to the world if we would allow him to um and um you, you know i mean i mean uh he's got to he's got to be selling his his gas to these to these countries these i mean what is germany going to do i mean if they don't get the the constant as you just pointed out if they don't constantly get their natural gas from from germany uh, the wheels of industry shut down, and the people freeze to death in the winter. Right? So, don't well, doesn't isn't they, Europe they, isn't Europe going to have to go along with Putin, or how do you see it? Yeah, of course they are. That's what everybody's ignoring. Rather than saying, "Hey, wait a minute, why don't we listen to this guy? Why don't we pay attention?" Is right. he asking for reasonable things? And if he is asking for reasonable things, why don't we do them? Mm-hmm. Or alternatively, we could starve and freeze to death. Uh, I wonder which way we should go. Yeah, right, right. And I mean, I, you see the the economics aspect of this, and um, it be clearly the United States has used its its privilege of uh, of you know having the world's reserve currency, creating endless trillions of dollars out of thin air, monet the financialization of the global economy. Uh, and it seems to me that what Putin is doing and what to, to an extent they and the Chinese are doing are forcing us back to a, a more realistic outlook on the world. That is that money can't be just created out of thin air. It has to have something behind it. And it's sort of the commodity uh, commoditization of money, it seems to me, and what Putin is is sort of forcing here. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are two financial systems at work right now. One is the debt-based system of the United States and the EU, and the other is the commodity gold oil uh, financial system based on uh, real commodities and real production. So, so 
Putin is smart enough to understand that the United States system and the United States uh, uh, dollarization, it's end of empire, and, that, and that's absolutely true. So he's offering the world an alternative. Let me give you a number that will really shock you. Do you have any idea of how many of the 195 countries in the world support the sanctions? Um, there were a lot that didn't, I remember, that were that remained neutral in the UN vote, but I can't remember the numbers. Uh, okay, there's 195 countries, 30 mm -hmm. countries support the United States. Now, what is 30 from 195? 160, 165. You got it. 165 countries in the world do not support the U.S. sanctions. Uh, the, the really strange thing is that we've got some bizarre things that are going to happen this year. I wonder if there's going to be election in November because mm -hmm. if there is an election and the Democrats are defeated as seriously as I think they're going to be. The very first action the Republicans are going to take in January is to impeach Biden. They will hold the impeachment at 12.05 and they'll vote, the Senate will vote to convict at about 12.15. Uh, <laughs> He will go to jail along with his son and his brothers. Wow. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I could understand, um, you know, if, if the world were the way it ought to be, if truth and justice were maybe um, based on what I believe I, I know, uh, certainly not what we're supposed to hear and, and talk about. Uh, Bob, I'm not sure if uh, YouTube's going to let me um air this or not because you know uh, but you think uh with two minutes left here um we gotta we gotta talk some more in the future because there's so much that we haven't even begun to talk about the implications uh for investors on all of this i mean it, that that's a topic for a whole show so i i just i mean what are what should people be doing now with two minutes left Okay, I'll give you the short and the quick and easy. I have been predicting a massive stock and bond market crash for years. It uh -huh. is here right mm -hmm. now. Between mm -hmm. 1929 and 1932, the Dow Jones went down 89%. Yes. That's going to occur again. It has already started. In the period from 1929 to 1932, there were numerous dead cat bounces. It's a very dangerous time to be investing. Mm -hmm. The stock market's going to get creamed. The bond market's already been creamed. You could certainly see it in the resource market with the resource markets get sold off because people get margin calls. We yeah. could have another 2008 or 2015. However, if we do, remember the market went up tenfold from there. Exactly. That's right. That's right. We'll have to leave it go at that, Bob. A lot more to talk about, and we'll look to do it again sometime soon. Thank you so much for being with us. Again, sharing your time from France. Uh, always good to have you. Okay. Right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. All right, folks, that is it for this week. Next week, uh, Alistair McLeod, uh, Michael Oliver, and Dr. Quentin Henning join me. Quentin will be with us to talk about El Oro Resources. By the way, I know that's a company that Bob likes a lot, and he writes about it from time to time at 321 Gold. Uh, until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you.
Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.